Welcome back to another episode of the Girls Talk Money podcast. Today we're diving into all things credit card points, how to leverage them to get free flights, hotels, and travel experiences, and our personal favorite cards for racking up points. But as always, before we dive in, let's do our weekly recap. Erin, what's going on in your week? Hello. Um, okay, so in my week, I feel like I have a crazy next couple of months coming up. And a big thing that goes along with that is I'm really trying to get my office together. I know I've been saying this literally for two months since I moved into my apartment, but my office is so bare right now. If you're watching the video version of this, you might notice that I have a little bit of decorations behind me and that's a good step in the right direction. But the only reason that I even put those decorations up is because I had a couple ads to film for a brand for like a UGC deal that I was doing and they needed like shots of me in my office. So I just gathered a bunch of random decorations that I had around the house and put them up like so randomly in the back of my office. It looks cute. Um, thank you. However, my one really good friend is coming to stay with me in two weekends because my event is coming up and she's flying into Pittsburgh to come to my event, which is so fun. But I need to turn my office into a guest room, which is like stressing me out a little bit. But also I'm kind of happy that it's coming up because it's forcing me to get my office together because I have a lot of really big ideas for this space. And a big one is getting a sleeper sofa for this back wall back here um, so that I can like pull it out when guests come. But then also it can be a little podcast like studio type thing every week because right now I'm just filming on my little desk, which is totally fine. But I want like a separate area that can be a dedicated podcast space. So I'm trying to get all of that set up and I bought a new microphone for the podcast because I ordered the couch. I'm like, I'm going to get the microphone that has the whole stand, like very professional looking setup, right? I go to set up the mic for today's episode and the microphone didn't come with the cord that you need. It was literally just Wait, the microphone and the cord. Yeah, it didn't come with the cord. So I have to go back to Best Buy and buy the cord separately. And I saw That's the cord so like sitting there for sale at Best Buy, but it said extra long cord. So I thought that that just meant like yeah. if you wanted a longer cord than it came with. But I was looking in the box and I'm like, are you kidding me? Why did this microphone not come with the cord? Yeah. That's so it was like, like the strangest thing without a charger. Like we wouldn't mm -hmm. like a phone Correct. would come with a charger. Correct. What? Yes. It was the singular microphone was in this box um, for a hundred dollars. Like this was kind of an expensive microphone. And then the arm to go into the microphone was over a hundred dollars. So I spent like almost $250 and I can't even use the microphone. <laughs> That's so, so annoying. So just like a whole big thing. I feel like with the whole podcasting thing, the hardest part over the past couple of months has been figuring out the tech aspect of everything, just setting up like the camera, the microphones, the lighting, all of the things. I think we're doing a pretty good job of figuring it out now, but at the beginning it was kind of rough. It honestly is. I like am in a similar place with my office. I'm so grateful to have an office, but it, there's nothing in it. It's just a room with like my desk and my chair. And because of that, it echoes so much. And I also am trying to get my office like decorated and figured out so that it doesn't echo because when I want to film in there, it makes it kind of difficult. And also like the tech aspect, then my audio is echoing and there's like softwares and stuff we can like plug it into to like take some of the echo out, but it's still, then it just makes the audio sound like not very good. Um, but I, yeah. I need something like having a friend over or something to like light a fire mm -hmm. under my ass because I also need to just like get it figured out. Like I don't want to <laughs> rush and just like put things in there that I don't really want. And then like two months down the line, be like, oh, that's not how I actually want it. But at the same time, I've like had enough and I really just want to like 
I've been here for at this apartment for like two weeks and I just really want to like have it settled, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Squared away. 100%. I have heard a hack that if you, um, so someone told me when I moved into this place that if I wanted to film in my closet, because I have a big closet in this office and I was like, oh, maybe I'll turn this into a little like podcast space and they were like if it's echoing hang clothes in the closet like Mm -hmm. just hang a couple clothes and the clothes like help to bounce the sound so maybe try getting one of those like cute clothing racks or something i don't think they're that expensive and hanging some clothes maybe that's that would help the echo yeah i thought about putting like similar to i thought about putting like a little couch in there and i actually found a couch on facebook marketplace that i really like it needs like a couch cover because it like there's like a stain on um I guess like they said it was ink. They said like a pen burst or something on the like it's like blue, like a blue stain. Yeah. So I I believe them. But I would need to get a cover. But then I was like, how am I gonna transport this? It's a whole thing. Yeah. Which like now I have to pay someone to transport the couch. And like at that point, like just buy like a cheap couch from Walmart or something. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, oh my gosh. But one hundred percent. I am hoping I'll spend some time this weekend kind of mapping out what I want it to look like and just taking yeah. some action and just getting an area rug would also help with that echo so maybe yeah. get like a very big rug in there um but yes do that this weekend because the other part of my little weekly recap is that grace and i have a little impromptu girls talk money trip coming up. yes impromptu this <laughs> yeah we just found out literally yesterday i think that we are traveling next weekend together which is so fun because i haven't seen grace in person since I think the end of October yeah. when we were like in FinCon. Um, but we are going to Indianapolis, which is a really interesting random little place. Um, but we're going for the MBA All-Star Weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, SoFi invited us, which is so fun. We're so excited. We um, went to an event together for SoFi back in June. We were in New York together with them. Um, they throw really great events. Everyone on their team is so, so amazing. So we're going to spend the weekend just going to some SoFi events. And then we're going to try to spend the day on Sunday, hopefully doing some podcast things, like maybe running out a studio, filming some in-person episodes, which could be so, so fun. But I'm really excited for that. I'm hyped. I was also going to say that literally every single person on SoFi's team that I've met, like they've interacted with through email or like met at the event has been so freaking nice. Like just so nice that I like whenever they email me about anything, I'm like so (laughs) excited. Like, I'm like, Oh my God. Hey girl. Like I like, how you doing? Like, I don't know. I just, they're so nice. It's really nice when like it actually translates, you know, sometimes like you meet, you like talk to people over email just at work or whatever and then you meet in person and it's like "Mm," you know so it's it's always really nice when it translates um and it's you know they're just as nice in person but yeah we've worked with them a couple times and just love working with them but i'm so excited because i i love basketball and i guess at this event jason tatum's gonna be there and i'm from boston so like and he's on the celtics for anyone who doesn't know um so like i'm super excited because he's like such a talented athlete and um i'm just excited to see like basketball but also i have this goal to visit all 50 states before i turn 50 and which is like very yeah i've like had i've literally had this goal since I was, like a teenager and it's definitely achievable like i could do it before i'm 50 yeah. but so i there's a lot of states that i think people consider more like random like yeah like i just Indiana. said Indianapolis. yeah <laughs> right like it's kind of like the, yeah like it's just not somewhere that you might go necessarily but there's a lot of places that are like hidden gems 
Um, and I feel like a lot of those underrated states are where the hidden gems are. So I, whenever there's a reason for me to go to one of these like underrated states, that's not like me trying to like get my girlfriends to go to Indiana with me, you know, when they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Why are we going to Indiana? I love it. I feel like it's nice to just like check. Like we went to FinCon, um, in the fall and that was in, um, Louisiana. I would not have really gone to Louisiana like otherwise, I don't think. Like I would have had to make a conscious effort to plan a trip there. So it's really fun when you just can check states off that way um, from like work yeah. trips and stuff. I don't know. I'm hyped to like check another state off my list as no, well. No, I actually check really... Indianapolis. Yeah, I agree with that because I would consider Pittsburgh kind of random. Like it's like a little yeah, bit, it it's is. like not as <laughs> random, um, but it's like still a little bit random, but I live here obviously, so I don't consider it that way. But we were in Cincinnati even for the mm, economy mm-hmm. conference in March of last year, which Cincinnati is like a lot like Pittsburgh, but also pretty random. Like it's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's on a coast. Like, why are you going to Cincinnati? Um, right. But that was like fun because we were there for a reason. And then it gives you your memories to a certain city that are not just like showing up to a city and going to a restaurant and that's like all you really have to do you have a reason to be there so I feel like we'll have a good taste of Indianapolis because we actually have a reason to be there and there's like events going on and all of the things I hope we get good weather though because I know that can like make or break yeah I I literally when we found out we were going I literally immediately sent back my fashion pass order so that I have enough time to get new things in in time because I realized the other day in like moving into my apartment, right? Like when you move, you realize what things you have and what things you do not have. And I don't have like a lot of stuff. I really don't. My apartment, like in my kitchen, I would say like 80% of my cabinets are completely empty. There's literally nothing in them because I just don't have a lot of stuff. Um, And I realized when I was like putting all my clothes away that I really don't have like a good set of like staples um and a lot of my like more staple pieces that are like you know plain white tee black shirt whatever they're like low-key kind of grubby like i get so lazy about like uh laundry but not like i wash my clothes but like yeah i just put everything in together on cold same um and like that makes your white shirts get really dingy over time so like all my white shirts are super dingy i have like two or three sweaters that i actually like wearing and that's it and then the rest is just like sweatshirts and t-shirts so i'm like thank the lord for fashion pass because i would look a whole hot mess if i was just going based off what's in my closet and i really need to get like buy some actual staples to have in my closet on an ongoing basis but i don't know it's uh yeah my, my fashion sense is literally the sweater that i'm wearing right now i bought this like five or six years ago off the clearance rack at American Eagle. It was like $12 and it's like four sizes too large for me. Um, but I thought it would be cute and cozy. And then I washed it and I didn't wash it based on the directions. Cause like, who does that, you know, and it shrunk. And so now it's literally a cropped sweater when it was not cropped before. Like, just, you know what I mean? It's just like, Grace, what are you doing? Like, why girl? Pull it together, yeah. You know? No, 100%. Yes, but we'll have fun in Indianapolis next weekend. I will also be renting some clothes on Fashion Passport. I don't know what we're supposed to wear to like a banking event times basketball. Um, So we'll have to figure that out. But anyway, what is going on in your weekly recap? I, I mean, aside from like what I said about like just setting up my office and stuff, I, I'm like a little sick today. I was telling Erin before we got on here, I don't know if I am just like so not physically fit or what was happening, but I went to my new gym yesterday and 
I think, I mean, it was like kind of warm in there. And so I feel like there was like a lot of like dry air, you know, but about two seconds into walking on the treadmill, my throat was hurting um, from like breathing out my mouth. And I literally didn't even, I didn't sleep well last night. I was like so fatigued. I was telling Erin, I have the aura ring and my sleep score is usually like a 94. Last night it was a 66. Uh, my readiness score is usually like an 85. Last night it was a 36. So we're doing really great in this corner. Um, I've like never seen my readiness score that low. I don't, I really don't know. Um, so I'm trying to just recover. I'm like filming on the couch today because I'm just like, you know, I don't really want to like set up my whole office situation. I just want to sit on my couch and veg out. I don't know. I feel <laughs> the like the aura ring um, really humbles you. Yeah, it really does. It's like so helpful. I feel like I've learned so much from having the ring, but it definitely does humble you for sure. Um, and aside from that, I feel like something that's just been coming up a lot this past week for me is I know I mentioned, I think in a previous podcast episode, I just really don't like feeling unsettled. I don't like when things are incomplete. I don't like, like, I would rather just take one day to like decorate my entire apartment, like floor to ceiling, get everything squared away and then never have to do it again for the remainder of my lease. But that's obviously not how it works. And I feel like after work every day this week, there's just been something for me to do. Like one day I was spending literally four hours building a coffee table. And then like I got curtains in yesterday. So now my project for tonight and tomorrow is to try to figure out how to hang the curtains. And mind you, like the curtain rod will need to go like two inches from the ceiling in here because my windows are so big. And I'm just like, I, I'm just going to like have my dad come over, I think, and I'm going to invite him over for a housewarming party, but then the housewarming party is just going to be setting up my apartment. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know, you know, it's just like a lot of stuff like that. I'm getting my TV stand in this weekend and I'm going to have to build that. And I just, I'm so sick and tired of like spending my days like yeah. after work, just like building shit. Like I just and, like trying to like clean shit up and like organize things. Like I really just want to have things away because I feel like when when you work for yourself, like your environment and when you work from home too, I feel like your environment really impacts like how you're thinking. And for me, when things are all over the place, I feel like I just cannot think clearly. And I really want to use the beginning of this year to like brainstorm and like visualize and like see how I feel, you know, like really think about what I want out of life this year and just feel inspired. And I just like, if I sat down to brainstorm right now, it'd be like me and my one remaining brain cell. And I'd have like one thing on that brainstorm list. Like I just, my brain is just like a little bit at max capacity because of the fact that like things are everywhere. And I just, I, I really, this weekend, my goal is to just get as much like built and put away and like decorated as I possibly can before I lose my shit because I'm teetering on the edge of losing my shit. <laughs> Yeah, I totally feel that. I know you said in an Instagram story the other day that you like bought something for your apartment and it came out of your sinking funds specifically for yeah. moving mm -hmm. expenses. So it was like the money was used correctly, but you still felt guilty about it. Oh, and yeah. I totally feel that because I feel like that's half the reason why my apartment still isn't put together because I will go to buy something and I'm like, I have to spend $150 on one little thing and I need mm -hmm. 10 things to like really get yeah. my apartment the way that it's supposed to look. Um, and I just can't justify spending all of that money. So I just don't do anything. And then that stresses yeah. me out. Um, so even like the money thing kind of plays in there, but oh, just yeah. do it. It's been, it well, literally just yesterday, I 
went into a TJ Maxx to return something. And I just had this like gut feeling. I was like, you know what? I should go look and see if they have the espresso machine that I want because I'd been looking online and I'd been hedging on like buying an espresso machine because the one that I wanted was like $900. Okay. $900. And that was the price on Williams Sonoma. So it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but to buy it elsewhere, it was like seven to $800. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, again, I have the money set aside in my moving sinking fund specifically for stuff like this, but I was just like, no, like that seems like too much. But I had this feeling of like, go look in TJ Maxx. And I did. And they literally had it there for 500, which is obviously still a lot. But for an espresso machine, like it's not that bad when you look at the overall prices of them. And in comparison, I was looking at getting like a less fancy, robust model. And that was $300. But then you'd also have to buy a separate grinder, which was around $100. So I'm spending $400 to get cheaper simpler model or just spend the 500 to get like the whole the machine that does it all you know so it, it makes sense but i literally was sitting there in the store just like thinking about should i buy this should i not you know i don't know and i ended up buying it because again i have the money set aside for it but i think one thing i have to keep reminding myself is that a lot of the purchases i'm making right now are not this is not like normal purchases like i bought a tv it was like 300 bucks I will take that TV. I'll have that TV for years. It's a really great TV. It's nice and big. It's good for a living room. My couch, like I'm not buying a couch every single time I move. Like I will have this couch for a few years. You know what I mean? My desk chair, same thing. Like, so it's, it's like a lot. I mean, in my espresso machine, I'm going to use that thing into the ground. Um, like that was a lot of money. I'm not just going to like go buy a new one tomorrow, but I have to remind myself of that too. Cause it, like when you're spending so much, it's just so like, it's like, oh, it's overwhelming. And it makes you feel like, you're out of control, but like they're one time spends, you know? I also feel like the universe has really timed everything kind of questionably for me because I have all this apartment spending. And then I also like, I have like a little lump I'm like a little bit nervous about. And so I like had to book a dermat, yeah, had to book a dermatologist appointment. I think it's just like, I don't know, a little like cyst or something, but yeah. you know me, I'm the anxious girly. So I was like, I'm swiftly going to book an appointment. So I have to pay for that. And I don't know how much my insurance is going to cover because we just got new insurance and I have to bring my car in to get something fixed. And that's going to be a little over a thousand dollars. So it's just like, I feel like all of it at once. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I know I have money set aside for literally all of these things, but like, <laughs> oh, it's driving me nuts, you know, yeah. it's making well, me want to think... slow down and not get everything settled. But right. Well, I think it the... stresses me out. The espresso machine was a good purchase. I did the same thing. I found the exact espresso machine that I wanted in TJ Maxx right before Christmas. And I was not it, like I I was prepared to spend the $500 on myself. Mm -hmm. um, like I had the money in a sinking fund, but I still didn't want to drop $500 mm -hmm. that day, but it was totally a good purchase. Like I didn't have a coffee machine at all at that point. So I was going out for coffee all the time or I was trying to use instant coffee, but that like wasn't mm -hmm. tasting good. So I would still go to Starbucks. And I know you said you did the math on how much money you've spent on yeah. coffee in the past six months. And it's like more than the espresso machine. Mm -hmm. So I think it's yeah. totally worth it. I use mine literally every single day. The only time I still do go out for coffee, but lately it's been if I'm with a friend, I will go get coffee because that's like an experience. I get to hang out mm -hmm. with my friend for an hour for $7. That's fine. Or if I'm working in a coffee shop, because I still yeah. do like to do that, but I stopped just running through the Starbucks drive through just because I wanted coffee or just like running to Starbucks or running to a coffee shop just because I want coffee. Like if I'm going to get it, I'm going to sit there and like enjoy it for a couple of hours and work. Yeah, I know. That's kind of how I feel too. I did the math and I, I, I buy like the bottles of coffee, like of iced coffee at the grocery store and they're like six bucks a bottle. Like it's not cheap. And I did the math and between that and like 
spending an average of like 40 bucks a month on coffee because I'll get like one coffee a week because I literally have to get like the oat milk and the whatever. It ends up being so much more expensive. And I did the math and I, I literally would spend $500 on coffee between the two things over the course of six months. So I was like, you know what? This espresso machine really isn't sounding like that bad of an investment considering mm-hmm. the fact that I'll have it for so long. And part of the reason why I go out to get coffee more often is because my at-home coffee just like does not hit the same because it's just bottles of iced coffee. It's not like a nice latte or shaken espresso. So I don't know. Yeah. But it's also, it's a one-time thing and I will have it for years. And whenever I want to get rid of it, I can sell it, you know? So I don't yes. know. I think it's a good purchase. (laughs) But anyway, I think that we should get into the episode. Like Ray said in our intro, we are doing the episode today all about credit card points, which is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So let's get into the episode. Okay. I'm going to give us a little bit of a a throwback here. Okay. So when I first followed Erin on social media, before we were ever friends, right? I I was like a fan. Okay. Not a fan. (laughs) I wasn't like, I wasn't like worshiping Erin. Like... I was like, Erin's so cool and I love her content um, before I became a creator. But back in, back in the day, if you're an OG, you'd remember Erin's TikTok used to be money to miles because she's like a credit card points expert girly. You I know? wouldn't like, go that far. <laughs> I, I would like go that far. <laughs> but Erin knows a lot about credit card points. And I actually learned a lot of what I know about credit card points from like being oh friends God. with Erin and like from Erin's content. And I then did also not like, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just like would hear you talk about it and I was like, go off queen, you know? And then I was like, wait, like that's actually a good point. Like I, you know, learned this thing about credit card points, but I also do like personal finance writing during the day. And so I've done a lot of like research and whatnot on credit card points. But honestly, I feel like once you kind of dive into the whole credit card point game and you learn about them, it's just very eye-opening how much your credit card points are worth. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Like they, like, I don't know. For example, you know, uh, I was writing an article once and there was this like example where if you redeemed the credit card points right through the portal, it was worth like $800. If you redeemed it with a partner, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, it was literally worth like $3,400. Uh, in like a hotel stay at like this gorgeous resort in Costa Rica. So when I saw that, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that's worth significantly more. And I'm getting that back just for doing my normal spending. Um, so if you're not leveraging credit card points, I mean, you're listening to this episode already, so you're in the right place. But why don't you kick us off, Erin? Miss yeah. to Miles. And <laughs> off of that point, that's such a good point. Um, and I think when people hear the oh, I signed up for a credit card that has a $95 annual fee. So I spent $95 and I'm getting a $3,400 luxury hotel stay in Costa Rica. I think that comes off as very scammy, which obviously Mm -hmm. because you're spending $100 and getting $3,400 back, it sounds scammy, right? But I would just like to like set the scene here. Credit card companies make billions of dollars a year. They profit billions of dollars a year. So them giving you those points that you can potentially redeem for $3,400 is like not a big deal to them. And how do they make billions of dollars a year? Because people are in credit card debt. So you can kind of like look at credit card points or credit cards in general even as something that can really hurt you or something that can really help you. And you have to be on like one end of the spectrum. So if you're coming into credit cards being like, 
I want to be on the end of the spectrum where I'm going to use my credit cards and get all of the value out. Like the credit card company is not going to make money off of you. They're making money off of the people that are carrying a balance on their credit cards every month and getting into all of this credit card debt. That's how they're making their money to be able to subsidize all of these credit card points for the people that can use their credit cards responsibly. And you're, whether you're carrying a balance on your credit card or not, you're still going to get the points. But I think it's important to note here that like there is a way and a relatively easy way to rack up all these credit cards or rack up all of these credit card points, but not rack up all of the credit card debt. And I think that's a really important point. Um, how I even got started in credit card points is strictly because I was trying to learn about personal finance. And I think the two kind of go hand in hand. When I was in college, I was listening to a lot of money podcasts and reading a lot of money books. And through that, I kind of found the, the podcast episodes and the segments of the books where they talk about how to leverage credit card credit cards as opposed to letting credit cards hurt you. So it was kind of through learning about personal finance and financial literacy that I was like, wait, these people are actually heavily subsidizing their cost of travel and being able to fit travel into their budget by using credit card points. And it kind of spiraled from there. And I started to listen to like credit card point specific podcasts and things like that to really learn about how to use them. Yeah. I want to like emphasize one thing you were saying of like credit cards can go like one of two ways. I feel like you can get a credit card and pay it off in full every month and like never wind up in credit card debt. Um, or you can get a credit card and, you know, not pay it off in full and then wind up in credit card debt. And if you fall into the latter category where you're already in credit card debt or you have not had say responsible behaviors in relation to your credit in the past and you don't like if you're being really real with you with yourself you like don't think you could trust yourself with a credit card getting into the whole credit card point game is probably not for you at this moment in time i want to say that it doesn't mean that it's like never going to be for you but it's just like a not now maybe wait um because i think a lot of people would be like oh my god okay if i get this card and I spend, you know, the $5,000 I need to spend in the first three months to get the bonus offer of 60,000 points when I open the card. Well, then, you know, I'll have all these points. And then they like put a bunch of stuff on their card with no plan for how they're going to pay it off. And I think that's where people end up in a little bit of a sticky situation. But with that, let's talk a little bit about the different types of credit card rewards so people kind of understand what the difference is. Um, I know my first credit card I ever had was a Discover It, which I feel like that's like, I feel like, that, like that's most people's first credit card. Every time I talk about this, people are like, oh my God, I had a Discover It. I'm like, did we all have Discover It? It's like, what was going on? The ads must have been so good that year or something like back in, like, <laughs> I don't know, when we were all like 18. But I had the Discover It and the Discover It is a cashback credit card. So you earn a percentage of your purchases back in cashback. Um, and if you've had the Discover It, you'll notice that you really don't get all that much. They offer, I think it's like five times cashback or something. They have every quarter they have a certain um, set of categories that get you higher cashback rates. But even then, you're really not getting like a ton. Um, and I don't think there's any sort of intro offer when you open the card. But I mean, I'm sure that's different for all cashback credit cards. But cashback cards get you that cashback, and then you can either 
pull that cash into your account um, or you can like apply it to your statement, but it is not the same as credit card points. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, so when you're talking about a card like the Discover It card, or for me, it was a city double cash card that I was an authorized user of my parents' credit card. They just like opened it for me and they never let me use it. I don't even think I ever (laughs) had the card in my possession, Um, but I was an authorized user and it did help my credit score. And that was amazing. Um, But I think like those are very good intro credit cards, honestly, to help build your credit score because that's one thing like all of the cards that we're going to be talking about here some of our favorite credit cards for travel points and all of the things you do have to have a pretty good credit score in order to qualify a lot of them will say you know we like to see above a 670 or something along those lines um so if you're also in the boat where you're sitting here saying like i really want to start using credit card points but my credit's like not the greatest or I'm trying to improve my credit, um, maybe considering a something like a cashback debit or a secured credit card that gives you cashback or something so that you can still kind of get those, those rewards without needing the higher credit score to be able to get approved for the card. Um, and then later on, just like Grace was saying, like it, it doesn't have to be a right now, but it's not forever. Like You can mm-hmm. eventually start taking advantage of some of these more premium cards, um, but just kind of like starting where you are, I think is important. And I also think it's important to kind of set the scene for like what you need to do in order to like be responsible with the credit cards that you're opening, um, kind of circling back to like the financial literacy aspect as well. Um, one thing that I really focused on before I wanted to go from like my city double cash card to my first travel credit card, which I'll talk about, um, was I got really diligent about tracking my spending because for me, I was like, okay, if I'm going to start putting all of my spending onto credit cards, I want to make sure like, that's a big change to go Mm -hmm. from just using your debit card and like whatever's in there's in there to spending on a credit card like that is a big big change in your financial habits so i wanted to make sure that i was tracking my spending and that is how i got into physically writing down all of my spending into an excel spreadsheet and i think that that is a really good practice for anyone that does not currently spend on credit cards but wants to start getting into credit card points to make sure that you are not going to overspend because as soon as i opened my first credit card that was like actually mine and i was actually spending on i realized how much easier it was to spend on a credit card. Like it is so much easier to swipe a credit card than it is a debit card. Yeah. Especially because like, it's almost like, I don't want to say fake money, but like, that's like what comes to my head where it's like, if you buy something on your debit card, it's going to come out of your account right then and there pretty much. So if you are like between paychecks or something, you either have the money in there or you don't. But on like a credit card, it's kind of like fake money until you pay it off. You know what I mean? Like it's just, (laughs) It's like, cause it's someone else's money. That's what you're doing. You're, you're borrowing the credit card company's money. They're fronting you that cash up to a certain amount. And then you're obligated to pay them back. And if you don't pay them back, that's when you're going to get hit with interest. But I think because of that, a lot of people are like, oh my God, like I have a $50,000 credit card limit. Great. I can go spend up to, fi-. and I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, back it up. Um, but it's also when it comes to like tracking your spending too, like for example, I have like several credit cards that I put things on. When I track my spending, I have to open every single one of these accounts to copy over all my transactions, and that complicates things. And um, if you feel like that's going to get in the way of your routine and your habit of tracking, that's also something to think about. Um, Because again, you want to meet yourself where you're at. Don't like, again, like you, 
you can have like for example i really want to eventually like invest in real estate of some kind but like am i in a place with like my finances and my knowledge where it makes sense to invest in real estate no so i'm gonna meet myself where i'm at and i'm gonna say okay like how can i build wealth with what i have now in terms of my knowledge and my money and eventually i'll get to a point where i can invest in real estate or whatever but it's just it's a not now and i feel like credit cards can be kind of similar yeah, 100%. So all of that to say, take everything that we're saying in this episode with a, not a grain of salt, because these are like pretty, I mean, well-known uh, things, <laughs> like take it all with a, just because Aaron is spending on five credit cards doesn't mean that I need to go open five credit cards, including like business credit cards and all of the things. Like yeah. if you're ready to take the step into maybe your first travel credit card, that's well and great. Or if you're saying, well, I need to get my spending habits under control, like just kind of take everything with a everyone's in a different starting point and that's totally fine. Um, But in this episode, we're going to be talking all about like the different credit cards that we use and the differences in all of the different like types of rewards and how to maximize your rewards and all of the things like some, even some like more, I guess, expert strategies to like earn more points and things like that. But Grace, since you already said what your first credit card was the first credit card that I opened after I started listening to some podcasts about credit card points and learning about travel rewards and all of the things. I opened the Capital One Venture card. I think I was 19 years old. Actually, no, that's a lie. I opened my parents open right before I studied abroad because I needed a credit card with a without foreign transaction fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like looking them up and I found the Chase Sapphire Preferred. And my parents opened that card because I don't my credit score score probably would have been fine, but they like didn't trust me. I was 18 years old and I like didn't trust myself to open the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. Um, so they opened that like specifically for me to be able to put purchases on there without any foreign transaction fees. But after I studied abroad, when I got back, they literally canceled the card. They like didn't let me have access to it. Um, so that was like technically my first one, but I didn't really understand like what the Chase Sapphire Preferred could do. It wasn't really my card. It was still my parents' card. Um, and I paid off the card while I was studying abroad and stuff, but still, Mm -hmm. um, they canceled that. So when I got back, I was like, well, I want a credit card. Like the chase card was able to like earn some travel points. Like I want a credit card for myself. So I opened the capital one venture card the summer after I got back from studying abroad when I was like 19 years old. And the capital one venture card is, it has a $95 annual fee. And I think at the time I got like a hundred thousand bonus points. The capital one venture card just came out. So they had a really good bonus offer. And I opened that card because you earn 2x points or 2x miles, they call them miles, 2x miles for every dollar spent, which I really like about the Capital One Venture and the Venture X that I currently have because instead of like, oh, if you dine out, you get 3x, but if you do this, you get 1x and all of the different things, it's just very straightforward, like 2x across the board. So I really like that. And Grace was talking about how with the Discover It card, she earns cash back. That's the type of points that she's redeeming or that she's earning on that card. Um, The second type is, there's really three types, but the second type is going to be credit card points that are like travel rewards. So Capital One calls them miles because you're supposed to redeem them for travel related purchases, you technically can cash out all of your points for cash back or even like Amazon gift cards or random things like that. But you are not going to get a good value out of your points. I don't even think it's like one cent per point or something. Um, So that's like not a good value out of it. Redeeming it for travel is going to be a much better value for your points. And essentially what that means is 
those 100,000 points that I got as a welcome bonus from the Capital One Venture card. I could go into their travel portal and use that for $1,000 in travel-related purchases. So I can book a $1,000 flight and use 100,000 points. I can book a $1,000 hotel. And those that's with any airline car- uh, carrier, any hotel chain, anything like that through the portal. Um, so that's one cent per point. So 100,000 points is $1,000. However, there's a second way with a lot of these travel rewards cards that you can redeem for travel purchases that can get you even higher cents per point off of your points that you're earning. And that is by transferring them to transfer partners. So essentially, credit cards will have alliances with different airline carriers and hotel carriers and things like that, that you can transfer your points. So 100,000 Capital One points can be transferred to let's say like I think Virgin Atlantic or something, or I don't know the Capital One transfer partners (laughs) off the top of my head, like Singapore Airlines or something, I don't know. Um, You can transfer them to those hotel or those airline loyalty programs and book flights or hotels through those. And sometimes you can get up to like two, three, three and a half cents per point sometimes off of redemptions through the transfer partners. Yes, I wanna add, couple things one the travel portal is basically like when you log into your credit card account they have uh basically like their own version of google flights or expedia basically built into the platform where you can search for hotels and flights that's all a travel portal means um but also before how i was talking about the $800 worth of points that ended up being worth like 3400 This is exactly why. Um, and this is what I did not know when I first started using credit cards and like racking up credit card points. I thought, oh, well, I have 100,000 points. That's worth $1,000. Like, that's great, right? But it's like, if you want to withdraw that in cash, it's only worth like 750 or something. And so I was like, well, what the heck? I had all these points. And then when I started doing research, and learning that you could transfer them with transfer partners and that it was worth so much more, it, it's like insane how much like value you can get out of it. Um, and one thing to add here too is that, so they have like the transfer partners that you can transfer to and they'll share like what that, you know, you get oh, a few extra cents or something per, per mile or whatever. But they also have usually in the portals occasional like promotions where there's like an increased like amount of like a value whatever so like Erin was saying sometimes you'll get like 2x points if you transfer with like this certain partner so one day I logged into my portal I think it was on my chase like sapphire preferred card I log in and they had 4x points with uh I don't know what hotel I don't remember what hotel chain it was but for reference like if I had a hundred thousand points and that's worth a thousand dollars if I redeem through the chase portal that would have been worth four thousand dollars with this hotel like what what you know what I mean? like that's a lot of money um and a lot of people end up redeeming them for you know again like really really nice hotels that you wouldn't pay for otherwise um people have done this for like their honeymoon or like a bachelor bachelorette party something they don't really want to splurge on or on really nice seats on really long flights that you again wouldn't usually pay for so if you ever see somebody you know like in first class and you're like how'd you get in first class um that could be why because you won't you won't catch me in first class unless i'm like using my points um but you know what i mean it allows you to just afford things and try like travel experiences and flights and hotels that maybe you couldn't have otherwise and 
So when you're looking at the points that you're earning in your, you know, account and stuff, it's not just like, don't just take them at face value because if you transfer them, they're worth literally so much more. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I will say this is something that I didn't fully understand in college when I opened up the Capital One Venture card. I didn't fully understand how to take advantage of my points. And when you're considering what card to open, I think there's two things that you need to think of. One is obviously how you earn points. So if you have a card that doesn't have great like spend categories, so maybe you're only earning one point per dollar on a lot of the categories you spend on. So like 1x on gas and groceries, but you spend a lot on gas and groceries, maybe you would look for a different card that you can earn 2x points for gas and 3x on groceries or something like that. Um, So you have to think about how you earn points, but then you also have to think about how you can redeem points. And I don't don't really think that I thought about the redemption part with the Capital Mm -hmm. One Venture Card for that point in time. Because when I was in Mm -hmm. college, we weren't staying at nice hotels. So I didn't necessarily need like hotel points, which we could talk about like how I currently use my credit cards. A lot of them is for hotel points. Um, But we were really just taking like some cheap spirit flights and then staying in a cheap Airbnb and things like that. And that's fine. So I I honestly ended up using my Capital One Venture points really just through the portal. Or I, I do like with Capital One that you can erase purchases so if i just like go to spirits website and book like a cheap spirit flight because i'm in college and i'm going on spring break down to miami like i can just go into my credit card transactions in my capital one venture account and erase that purchase so i did that with probably most of my points but i didn't really think about opening a card that was going to let me transfer to the transfer partners that i needed to get maximum value. Um, Because I will say, like, if you see people making videos on social media, that's like, here's how I got this first class flight over to Europe for whatever, 60,000, 70,000 points or whatever, like a super great value. That ticket was probably $7,000 and they got it for like less than a hundred thousand points. Like that is crazy. They are nine times out of 10 leveraging these transfer partners that are more like international loyalty programs. So like I mentioned, the Singapore Airlines um, program or Turkish Airlines Miles and Smile, like all of these random airlines that you probably have never flown on unless you travel internationally very frequently. Um, And those redemptions can get super tricky. So if you're just like taking some domestic flights here and there, like you might not utilize a lot of the transfer partners. And I don't think that that's something that's talked about enough in the credit card point space because it's like, oh, open this Amex because you can use like the ANA mileage program and get like these awesome first class tickets for the average person. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably not doing that. Like as a college student, I really just wanted to like erase my spirit flights down to Miami for spring break. That's all I wanted out of my yeah. points. Um, so I will say like, and we want to talk about here about some of our favorite credit cards. That's personally why the Chase Sapphire Preferred card and the Built Rewards card are two of my favorite cards because they have a lot of transfer partners that I think the average person can use easily. You know what I mean? A lot of these other programs, there's a lot of quirks. The, the, um, website's not that great. It's hard to like find the availability and all of the things, but like United for example, that's a transfer partner of Chase and Built. It's super easy to transfer your points to United and book a United flight. And maybe you're not going to get like 
four cents per point, but the average person can actually redeem those points. So you need to think about both how you can earn, but then also making sure the points that you're earning can be redeemed for something useful. Yeah. I think it's such a, like, that's such a great point because I transparently, I opened the Chase Sapphire Preferred as my first travel credit card, as my first card. So I had a card when I was like 16 that I was just an authorized user on my mom's card (laughs) and it was for like a rewards program of like something she spent money at. Um, And I was an authorized user and it was basically so that I would put it's very small expenses. Like I was going out with my friends um, when I was a teenager and would ask my mom for money or whatever to go to the movies with my friends. She would be like, just use the card. And then we'd have conversations about credit and about paying it off and about what that looks like as like a way to teach me about money. So I had that card. But then the first that I opened on my own accord was the Discover It. And then the one that I opened after that was the Chase Sapphire Preferred. And honestly, the reason I opened the CSP was simply because I saw so many people talking about it as being like the best travel credit card. And I did compare it against some other cards. Um, one like little side note that I, I love using nerd wallets, credit card comparison tool. Um, they just have like this little, you can just like search any credit card and it will put all the features side by side against other credit cards that you're looking at. And I really like that because it helps you think through like what, how many points you're going to earn in different categories and the fees and like all those things. Um, so if you're like a visual person like me who needs to like see it all side by side, I really like that. But I mean, I I researched the CSP a little bit, but I wasn't like, like, I I wasn't really thinking about how I was going to earn or redeem, to be honest. And I think if you have like a unique situation where like you fly to Singapore every year to visit family or something, then okay, like maybe something with a transfer partner to Singapore Airlines is really great. But like you said, for the average person, it you might open the card and then you're going to be like, wait, shoot, like I, I actually don't frequent any of these, you know, airlines or hotels. Um, so like looking at not only how you're going to earn those points, but like, how can you actually redeem them and do the redemption options align with like things you would actually want? Um, because otherwise you might just find that <laughs> you don't really know mm-hmm. what to do with your points. Yeah, 100%. And I will say like, so for example, Singapore Airlines, Singapore Airlines, you don't necessarily need to be flying to Singapore to utilize that transfer partner. And this is something that I hear all the time. It's like, oh, I want to fly to Hawaii and uh, it's a United flight and Turkish Airlines, Miles and Smiles is in the same airline alliance as United. So you can go to Turkish to book your flight to Hawaii for less points than just going straight to United to book the United flight. So like airlines Mm -hmm. have alliances and you can book like a United flight on Turkish and vice versa Mm -hmm. and different things like that. But I think another thing that's not talked about a lot is it's really hard to find availability on a lot of those like different like programs and stuff. And also if you don't live next to, like I live in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh airport is not a hub. I have a layover for virtually every single flight that I go on. (laughs) Um, And if you're not in like a JFK or an LAX or something, and you're trying to take these big like transatlantic first class flights for less than a hundred thousand, like the big redemptions that you see everyone talk about. It's so much more in depth than that. It's a lot of like, okay, well you need to take a positioning flight to JFK and then you need to find availability. So you might be like your flights or your dates have to be flexible and all of the things like it's just kind of a lot. And that's why, again, I think the Chase Sapphire Preferred is a much better, just kind of Mm -hmm. like beginner friendly option because they have transfer 
partners like United, which is super easy to, again, transfer your points to United and you can still get um, a pretty good redemption value sometimes on United Southwest, um, Hyatt, a lot of my chase points, actually almost all of my chase points get transferred to Hyatt hotels because I like to stay in nice hotels and I'll take a cheap spirit flight and pay a couple hundred dollars, but then get my hotel for free, which would have cost a couple thousand dollars if I'm going to New York City with the girls for a weekend or something. I would rather um, book the hotel on points and then get a cheap flight. So almost all of my Chase points go to Hyatt. But then I also really like the Chase ecosystem too, because if you just want to book through the portal, um, even booking through the portal with Chase gives you more than one cent per point. It gives you 1.25 cents per point. So what that means is if you have 50,000 Chase, or if you have, let's say, 100,000 Chase points in your Chase Sapphire Preferred account and you want to go into the Chase Ultimate Rewards portal and book a flight, you can book a flight worth up to $1,250 now as opposed to $1,000. So if you're in the Capital One portal because you have the Capital One Venture card, those 100,000 points would be worth 1,000. But if you have the Chase Sapphire Preferred card, your 100,000 points are worth 1250. So you immediately get a better redemption value. So even if you think the transfer partner stuff is a little bit too confusing, it's not. It only takes a couple steps. You can transfer them in literally less than five minutes. But on the Chase Sapphire Preferred, if you don't want to transfer your points, you can get a little bit better of a redemption value, even just through the Ultimate Rewards portal. Yeah. Going back to kind of like this overarching topic of like, what what to think about when you're choosing a card you know you were talking about like where like kind of like what do you what do you want to where do you want to travel what what transfer partners do you use things like that um and you were kind of talking about like your travel preferences and i think that's something that's really important to think about like you were saying you'll take a cheap spirit flight but then you want to stay in nicer hotels um and i i don't really know if i have like a set preference i don't think i've ever like really thought about it um i prefer to fly delta so like i probably would just like pay for my delta flights and then like you know i don't know use my points on a hotel or something but i think that's i don't know like important to think about like what does your usual travel routine look like and like what are your goals with it also i know for example like on a more like personal note one of my goals with my points is to save up enough points to be able to redeem them to take my dad on a trip because he just recently retired and he he is like big travel guy like a little fun fact about my dad when he graduated high school him and his friends rode their bicycles literal bicycles across the country but like literally across the country they slept in tents on the side of the road they showered at truck stops and in lakes um and i don't i'm pretty sure they rode their bikes all the way back i don't even know if like flying was really accessible at the time but he literally has pictures of himself like the whole way like across the country um and we live in massachusetts so it was like east to west coast um and my dad just i know he like would love to to do something like that but i also recognize like if i'm going to take my dad on a trip to like europe or something i am not going to put that man in economy you know what i mean like he is retired um and I'm not going to like subject them to like a really long flight in economy. So like I want to be able to have enough points that I can redeem them for first class flights. So something like that, you know, like think about like what your goals are with getting the card and what you hope to do, right? Like if you're just like, I just want to cover my flight down to Miami, you know, like, you know, on spirit or whatever, then like 
there you go. You know, that's one thing. Um, but if you really want to like maximize value or you know, you're planning a trip down the line, you really want to take your family somewhere, um, or you really want to stay in a certain hotel or something like that, think about those things before you get a card. But also know that like, just, you know, if, if you get a card that doesn't have a transfer partner that you want to transfer to, it's not like a death sentence, like you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll use the points for something, you'll find something to redeem them for. Um, but I think a lot of people can get really smart about how they leverage them and like, you know, what makes sense for them based on their spending and their travel goals. Yeah. So you said that you prefer to fly on Delta and we didn't talk about the third type of travel reward mm. and that is airline or hotel specific points or miles. Um, so for example, the second credit card that I opened up in college because I had my Capital One Venture card and like about a year or so later, I was like, I love this. I like was still listening <laughs> to all the podcasts and I was like, I'm going to open another mm -hmm. card. Um, I, and for instance, like I spend on five credit cards right now. Like I'm like really into this. I use my credit card <laughs> points all the time to travel. Like I am big into this. Um, but the second credit card that I opened up was an airline specific card. So it was a United, I believe the Explorer card. It was whatever credit card has the um, $95 annual fee and I don't still have it. I downgraded it to the no annual fee version, which we can talk about. But anyway, I was like, you know, I fly United a lot um, in Pittsburgh. We don't have like a hub necessarily, but if it was mm -hmm. going to be one of the three major airlines, like United has the most flights out of Pittsburgh. So I was like, I fly United pretty frequently. United also has a lot of um, flights over to Europe and I wanted to go back to Europe after I was done studying abroad. So I was like, I'll just open up a United card. They had a really good welcome bonus offer going on. I think I got a hundred thousand points again and they had an intro offer where the annual fee was waived for the first year. So I didn't have to pay that $95 until the second year. So I opened that card. And if you're in a situation where you travel very frequently on one specific airline that could be a good reason for you to open up a airline specific card like a united card or a delta card if you're always flying delta you can get a ton of points for that one specific airline but i would kind of say like only if you always fly that one airline is that like kind of worth it because if you have one very specific redemption in mind like you're like oh next year i want to go out to hawaii with my family and you think it's going to be a united flight so you get all of these united miles but then the trip comes up and it's no longer a united flight then you're kind of mm -hmm. stuck because you, your united points can only be redeemed on united um mm -hmm. there are other ways because again with the chase sapphire preferred card United is a transfer partner. So if you earn a bunch of chase points, you still can turn those into United miles. But if it turns out that you don't want to fly on United, then you have other options. Maybe you redeem your points through the Chase Sapphire prefer or the Chase Ultimate Rewards portal, or maybe you book the flights with cash, but then use your Chase points to book the hotel. So you're still kind of like using your points for that Hawaii trip. So I would kind of proceed with caution with the um like airline specific cards or the hotel specific cards. So whether you have a Hilton card, a Marriott card, a Hyatt card, um, make sure that you fly or stay in those loyalty programs enough mm -hmm. to make it worth it. I will say though, if you do, they can be very, very good. My brother, he um, doesn't travel a lot for work, but when he 
got stationed up in New York for like the first time or whatever, when he was like moving there for his job, they put him up in a hotel for two months and it was a Hilton hotel. And I was like, Joe, you need to open up like the most premium Hilton credit card before you go, because <laughs> then you will earn more points like per night that you stay there. If you have the credit card open, him and his girlfriend are going on a two week trip to Fiji this summer, all on Hilton points. And that, oh that in cash would have been so much money, like literally a five figure trip so very proud of him for that but yeah so if you do end up staying in a hotel program or you fly southwest a lot or something like opening up the co-branded credit card is a good idea but just beware that you're not going to have the same flexibility as you would have with transferable currencies yeah i know a lot of people who travel for work a lot like they're always like taking flights somewhere or always like you know i have a friend whose dad travels a lot for work and i don't know if he puts it like if he has a credit card or like what that situation is but he travels like so often for work and i feel like that's another good example of like when it makes sense to do that because you know if you are in a work situation where you're traveling a lot and you are booking your flights and hotels and then your work is just sending you a reimbursement like do that like you know like if you don't let your work i mean you can let your work book things for you you know what i mean whatever but if you want the credit card points, don't because then book it yourself and then have them reimburse you because then you can always fly the same. For example, I think Atlanta is a um, hub for Delta, I believe. So like if you live in Atlanta, like more often than not, you're probably flying Delta or like there's a good chance you'll be flying Delta. So it makes a lot of sense. I, for some reason, flying out of Boston, I always kind of go with the cheapest flight, except I don't fly Spirit because I had one sketchy, sketchy scenario when I was on a Spirit flight and I was like, never again. Um, but the next cheapest flight happens to just usually be Delta. So it makes sense, but I don't fly Delta like enough. Like I'm not traveling enough that I feel like it'd be worth it to get the card. I feel like it just makes more sense to, I don't know, just use like a generic, like my CSP or Venturex or something. But I think if you are traveling a lot or I've known of people who, for example, like their parents are in two different states. So they fly to visit their parents or people who are in long distance relationships and are flying like, you know, every month or every two months somewhere, or they're always going somewhere for work or something like that. Um, I feel like those are some like decent use cases for when you should do that. Um, but I, yeah, I think for the majority of people, like proceed with caution on the really specific ones. I know that also goes for like specific credit cards that aren't necessarily even travel. Like for example, my mom had a Disney rewards credit card. And when we were kids, my grandfather lived in Florida near Disney. And so we would go down and visit him every couple of years. So my mom would use her Disney rewards credit card to like rack up a bunch of these points so that then we could redeem them at the parks and it would subsidize the cost because if you've ever been to Disney, you know, it's really friggin' expensive, especially when you bring kids that just want to like get everything. Um, and so that made sense for her. Right. But now it's like, I'm 25, my brother's 28. Like we ain't going to Disney, you know? Um, so like, it wouldn't really make as much sense now. And now any points she has, um, she redeems them to use at the Disney store and buys gifts that we donate to kids for Christmas. Um, so she uses them for something, but is it like, is my, is it making my mom, is it like allowing her to sit on an Island with a margarita? And you no, know, it's not, you know, it's giving her like, it's letting her buy Disney dolls that she can donate to kids. But like, you know what I mean? So I feel like some of those mm -hmm. ones that are more, um, like focused on a specific company or whatever 
proceed with caution because you're just not going to have as many redemption options. Yeah, definitely. And that um, reminds me of a question that we got for this episode too, is what happens if you open a card and then you no longer want to use it? Like, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. canceling credit cards can potentially hurt your credit score. Um, So for example, the United card that I opened up in college or even the Capital One Venture card, I can kind of walk through like what I've done with all of these cards. Um, So I, and for like a little background, I probably open two credit cards a year, I would say. Um, like nothing crazy. There's definitely, there's people out there that literally open 20 credit cards. Like just to put that <laughs> into perspective, like 20 credit cards a year. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Um, and mm-hmm. that's not all personal credit cards. They're business credit cards as well, which we can talk about. But um, with the Capital One Venture card, it has a $95 annual fee. And when I decided that I wanted to open the Capital One Venture X card, which I currently have, which is Capital One's version that has a $395 annual fee, I called Capital One and I had them down grade my Capital One Venture to the Venture One card, which has no annual fee. Um, so that's kind of like the downgrade path. Um, and I still have that Venture One open. I didn't close it. And all I did was I put one monthly recurring subscription onto my Venture One and I set up auto pay to pay the entire statement balance every month. Mm-hmm. So every month, one transaction goes on, one transaction gets paid. I The card is open, the card's going to stay open, but I don't have to worry about it. Same thing with my United card. It had I had the card with a $95 annual fee and I decided that, you know, I don't fly United enough to actually like want a United card um, that has an annual fee. I would rather have something like the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. So I called them. I had them downgrade to, I believe it's the United like Gateway or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whatever option has no annual fee and put one monthly subscription on there and set up auto pay. So I have cards mm-hmm. kind of like sitting there open and I don't have to do anything with them to keep them open. So they don't hurt my credit score by closing them. Um, and yeah, I kind of just like don't have to worry about it. Um, I will say at this point, like opening two cards a year or whatever, the cards that I'm kind of focused on now are business credit cards because I am self-employed. Um, and I do have actually a decent amount of business expenses it really adds up um annoyingly but i do have business expenses so i can put my spend my business expenses onto business credit cards um and business credit cards honestly have a lot better like like your ability to earn points on business cards i just feel like is a lot better the welcome bonuses are really good um they have really good spend categories there's just a lot of options for really great business credit cards out there i have two Chase business credit cards currently, the Chase Business Preferred and the Chase Business Unlimited credit cards. And they're amazing. I love them so much. I get asked all the time to like, how do you get approved for business credit cards? And I mean, I do have an LLC. However, if you don't have an LLC, if you're making like any type of side hustle income, if you do anything for yourself, like you can very easily get an EIN, an employer identification number in like literally five minutes online and then use that EIN to apply for a business credit card. And it's really not that hard to get approved. I like don't know all that goes into it. Um, but I've just heard that even if you don't have like an LLC, then you can still get approved for the business credit cards and use those to accrue more points. Yeah, I just started getting into the whole like business credit card situation last year, mostly just because I felt like I was also having like recurring expenses. And I was like, I should be earning points for these. Like, why am I not earning points for these? Um, And I think I have the business actually literally right next to me because I was using it earlier to buy something. It's the Chase Business like Inc., I think. I think Um, it's the Unlimited. I think we have the same one. 
the Chase Business one? Unlimited. Business something Inc. Biz- oh yeah, Business Unlimited. Haha, <laughs> Business Unlimited, and that just says Inc. on it. I don't know. Anyways, Business Unlimited. Apparently, I don't even know what cards I have, but um, I also like it because I feel like well, so one note that's interesting is if you do own a business or do a side hustle or anything like that, um, credit card points are not considered income, so they are not taxable like you can't you're not gonna like be like oh you earned a hundred thousand points this year like you have to pay taxes on that which is really nice so what's also nice about business cards is that because it's not considered income it's not considered business income which means that you can use those points for whatever you want you don't have to redeem your business credit card points for business use um so i can now take like my business credit cards and I can take those points and redeem them for my own personal expenses, which is really nice, especially considering like, again, I do have a lot of business expenses and I don't know, just like paying them and like on the card and getting points is so nice. Um, especially when you stack that with your personal. Yeah, definitely. And another thing to note and why I, I feel like this whole episode has been like an ad for Chase. I don't know. I just love the Chase like ecosystem and the Chase Sapphire Preferred and everything like that. We can talk about other cards too, I guess, but I just, I really like the CSP. Um, but another reason why I really like the Chase ecosystem as well is because, so Grace, for example, just said she has the Chase Business Unlimited card. And this is the same whether you have like a non- business like just a personal no annual fee chase card but if you have something like the chase sapphire preferred card open which that card allows you to transfer your points to transfer partners right it's a travel specific card um so you get access to transferring your points to united transferring to high those like really good redemption values something like the chase business unlimited or something like the chase freedom flex those no annual fee chase cards those cards don't give you the ability to transfer your points to transfer partners. So if Grace logged into her business unlimited account, she would see her ultimate rewards there, but she would not see the option to transfer her points to transfer partners. However, what she can do is transfer her points from her business unlimited account to her Chase Sapphire preferred account. I don't know if they're, if you like have them under the same login, I think you can do it in the app or on the website. Mine personally, like my business, my personal are not under the same login. So I had to call, I like had to call Chase to do it, but it took like two minutes. Um, just like Mm -hmm. literally call Chase up and say, I want all of the points in my business unlimited account to go into my sapphire preferred account and then all of a sudden you have all of these points in your sapphire preferred account that can all be transferred to transfer partners Mm -hmm. so if you have something like the chase freedom flex card that maybe earns you more points per dollar on certain spend categories you can kind of like pair the two together like have one card with an annual fee but maybe have like two or three chase cards in total and all of those points can be transferred into your sapphire preferred account to be able to transfer to transfer partners that was a lot i was like transferring and like transferring (laughs) transfer like a hundred times no i know i feel like i so i have the chase sapphire preferred and i have my capital one venture x and one thing i was like thinking about recently is that i use i was like focused on hitting the welcome bonus um with the venture x so i was putting all my spending on there which i don't think we explained this but so the welcome bonus basically is like Cards will say, like, we'll give you 60,000 credit card points if you spend $3,000 in the first three months or $5,000 in three months or whatever. And it's basically a way to, like, incentivize you. Again, think about it. Like, one thing I always hear, just, like, add this in, like, people are always, like, credit card companies are, like, out to get you or, like, they, like, 
they want you to fail. Yeah, they do. Like that, that's just like, yeah, that's the way the system is set up. I'm so sorry to like break it to you, but it's because they, they are a, a, a company that is trying to profit. And unfortunately they profit off of people spiraling into debt. So yeah, they want to incentivize you to put a crap ton of money on your card in the first three months, hoping again, hoping that you don't pay it off. That's the reality of it. But you can either sit there and look at the system and be like, ugh, like, you know, like there's, it's so like greedy and it's so bad or whatever, or you can leverage it with responsible financial habits and end up making thousands of dollars back off this company that frankly doesn't really give a crap about you. Um, so I don't know about you, but like, I want to stick it to the man and get my points and, you know, be in a nice bougie hotel in Fiji while these credit card companies are trying to get people to go into debt. So that's the thing. Um, but it can get you a lot of like points off the bat, which is really nice. Um, so I was focused on like hitting that welcome bonus and so I was putting everything on my venture X, but now I'm like, I hit that welcome bonus. I'm back to like using all of them. And one thing I was learning from another creator, Malia, um, she was saying like the Chase Freedom Flex one with no annual fee, you get like 1.5 times points on like all expense, all stuff or whatever. And then I think it's only like 1x points on the CSP. So I've actually thought about opening the Chase Freedom Flex to get more points on, you know, my like everyday expenses and then just keeping the CSP open for that reason of like being able to have access to the transfer partners because otherwise like that's my only other chase card you know that has an annual fee um but when i thought about it i'm like okay let's say i got a hundred thousand points i would have to spend a hundred thousand dollars on my chase card like based on the you know one point per mm-hmm. dollar type thing but that would be equal to a hundred and fifty thousand points on the chase freedom flex and then i could transfer those points from the chase freedom flex over to my chase sapphire preferred and then redeem it with a transfer partner and I don't know. It's interesting. Again, this, it's all kind of like a game in a way. And like, you can overcomplicate it. Like, you know what I mean? That's, there's a lot of steps. Um, but the, the basic point is just that like your, your points are worth a lot more than you might think. And depending on how creative and how involved you get with it, you can kind of transfer them and redeem them and things like that for a lot more than they're worth just sitting in your account and redeeming in your portal. Yeah, definitely. I've thought about doing that with the, it's actually not the Freedom Flex. The Freedom Flex has mm-hmm. rotating categories. It's like they believe oh, it's okay. the Freedom Unlimited. Oh. Um, but we can like link all of this in the show yeah. notes as well, talking about like all of the different cards. But the last card that we didn't talk about yet, which I get a ton of questions on and is one of my absolute <laughs> favorite cards is the Built Rewards card. Um, I've talked about this in so many of my videos and I know you have too correct yeah, um, so i just opened card a couple weeks ago yeah yeah um since you're like now paying rent and stuff but the built rewards card is so amazing for literally so many reasons but the biggest reason i would say is because this was a card that was built for paying your rent on a credit card to be able to earn points on the amount that you're spending on your rent so typically if you are a renter you are paying for your rent via ACH. Um, and if you pay with a credit card, you get hit with like a two to 3% convenience fee, which can really add up. Like I've never paid my rent with a credit card unless, unless you were trying to hit like a minimum spend or something maybe, yeah. which I guess we can talk That's about. Definitely. Honestly, for me, for me with minimum spends, I don't really have a tr- 
a problem hitting a minimum spend with like my regular spending. Um, But if it, if it is something like a business card where it has a really high minimum spend, I'll wait until I have a really big expense. So for example, I just opened the Chase business preferred card because I have to pay for my event. Um, And then like I get ticket sales and stuff back for it, but I open the card because I know I have that big expense coming up. Um, But the built rewards card, how it works is you essentially get an ACH number that's associated with your built card. So I opened the built card and then they gave me an ACH like account and routing number. And that's the number that I put into my rental portal. And that's Mm -hmm. how I pay my rent. And it comes out of my built card. And then I pay off my built card every single month. So I spend almost $2,000 a month on my rent. I'm getting almost 2000 points per month for a Mm -hmm. big, big expense that I otherwise would not have been able to accrue credit card points on. And if you think about that, like that's 24,000 points a year that I can transfer to some of their really amazing transfer partners. That's like another reason why I love the Built Rewards card because I can transfer my points to Hyatt, American, United, like a ton of different really great transfer partners. So I get like, I just use a lot of my built points to book a flight down to Miami because we're going in a month. Um, so I love the built rewards card. I think it's amazing. It also has no annual fee. So it's really great for beginners as well. If you like want to dip your toes into this, but you aren't into paying an annual fee for a card. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was like, (laughs) when I was like planning to move out, one of the things I was most excited about was being able to open the Built Rewards credit card, which is like kind of crazy. (laughs) Sounds kind of silly to say that. But the reason is just like, your rent could literally be one of your biggest expenses throughout the year, like the category you spend the most on. And if you're getting literally no points for it, that kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Like it stinks that you're not getting anything. Um, I really like the bill card so far. I mean, again, I've only been using it for a couple weeks, but I paid, which was a bummer. The card hadn't come in the mail yet. Um, when I had to pay my first month of prorated rent, my apartment doesn't do first and last. They do a security deposit first month, like prorated rent because you're moving in like midway through a month and then you pay for your second month, um, which is interesting. So I was already like one month ahead. So I haven't actually been able to use it on a rent payment yet. I won't be able to until March, but um, I did like when you first get the card and you activate it, you get five times points for the first five days on other expenses. You can't get five times points on rent or you know things like that, but on other stuff. So I put like which this was also, remember, the card had not come in the mail when I went to go buy my couch, but my couch is $2,000. So I would have gotten 10,000 points. And I was so freaking pissed that like the card had not come in the mail yet when I went to order my couch. I was like so annoyed with myself because 10,000 points would have been so nice. But like if you're moving and like you're doing that, like you have, um, I think you can get up to 50,000 points through that like five times points thing in the first five days but I got a tv I put my tv on there if you're like paying for I paid for my movers on there so I ended up getting like five thousand points in the first like five days because I just had all those like expenses but if you're moving and you're like you know I just bought an espresso machine that's 500 bucks I just bought bar stools my couch like a new desk chair like all if can you imagine how many freaking points you could get if you're just like paying for just like the normal expenses of moving um and then using it on your rent ongoing like I don't know I feel like it's a good way like the way that I kind of view credit card points is like I want to try to get credit card points and as much value out of just the normal spending that I'm doing I'm not going to go out of my way to spend more to get more credit card points back like that doesn't make sense to me but like I want to get as many credit card points as possible for the spending that I'm doing anyways. And built is a really good way to get 
those points on your rent when you otherwise wouldn't. Okay. With all of that being said, we talked for a really long time, um, but clearly we both love talking about credit card points. I'm so <laughs> passionate about this because again, like you can just kind of optimize your spending that like you're literally already doing to <laughs> do something that you really want to do without it breaking your budget, like traveling for a lot of people. Um, so if you have any questions about credit card points, definitely leave it in Spotify. But we have one listener question here that we wanted to end on. And this was from an episode that we just did. We, it just came out last week when we're filming this, but it came out, I believe, January 31st or something along those lines. It was our episode with Jeremy Schneider from Personal Finance Club about investing. And the question that we got was, if I have individual stocks, not index funds, should I sell some of those to invest in the index fundings? Okay. So first of all, I'm going to say this as a disclaimer, you know, Aaron and I are not, we're not financial advisors. We're not looking at your exact investment portfolio. Um, so I would highly recommend like I don't know, talking to a financial advisor. Um, we will link like our recommendation for financial advising um, in the show notes. But basically my personal thoughts on this is that if you have, so an index fund, the purpose of an index fund is, well, not the purpose, but one of the best factors of it is it is so diversified because you're investing in so many different things. Um, when you are investing in just individual stocks, you're essentially placing a bet on those individual companies. So if you are invested in like thousands of individual stocks, right, you might, you're pretty like diversified, you know, like you might be investing in some of the same companies that are in an index fund. However, my personal, I, I would not do it. Um, I would not invest in like individual, like I wouldn't have my whole portfolio be individual stocks personally. I invest in index funds because it makes me feel more secure knowing that I'm investing in something that is very diversified. Um, so I, I don't know, I would think about that. Um, if you're like looking at a portfolio that's literally only invested in like Apple and Tesla, I would reevaluate personally. Um, I, again, I cannot like, I'm not looking at your portfolio. I don't know you and whatever. I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor, but like I would not personally have a portfolio of like a few individual stocks. Yeah. Um, I just, no, I, I wouldn't do it. I will say like when I was learning about personal finance and I didn't know a lot about investing, but I wanted to get started. I purchased a few individual stocks, like literally the most random ones. Like I don't mm -hmm. even know what they are. Um, <laughs> I like only purchased a couple shares of each one and I never sold mm -hmm. them. I just kind of yeah. left them That's there funny. and like adjusted my strategy. I mean, honestly, there's some ETFs that I purchased that I don't continue to purchase, but I didn't sell them. I just, they're in my portfolio. Mm -hmm. And at this yeah. point they make up a very small percentage of my portfolio because I have continued to invest in essentially just VTI and VT, like total US, total world. And if mm -hmm. none of this is making sense, definitely go back and listen to the episode with Jeremy because he did a really good job covering all of this. But if it's just like a little bit of money that you've invested yeah. into like these individual stocks, just like adjust your strategy and move forward um, yes. because I mean if you're invested in inside of an account like a Roth IRA the tax situation doesn't matter as much um, but if you purchase those stocks like just inside of a brokerage account let's say in like a Robinhood account and maybe you purchase ten thousand dollars of individual stocks if those stocks increased in value and you sell them you can potentially be in a situation where you have to pay a lot of taxes, especially if you bought them within the last year and it's like a short-term capital gain situation. So yes. there's just like a lot of things to think about before you would consider selling a stock. Um, yes. 
that could potentially like get in the way. So if it's just a little bit of money, just like adjust your strategy and move forward, but definitely go listen to the episode with Jeremy for anyone that has not listened to that already. And in that episode, we plugged Jeremy's company that he just started called Nectarine that essentially will let you meet with a financial advisor for just like a one hour call for $150 which is a really great way to have these conversations like, hey, I have this in my portfolio and I don't know what to do with it because I don't want to invest in individual stocks anymore. So that could be a good way to move forward. Yes. I was kind of like viewing the question as like an like overall from like a strategy standpoint, but I agree. Like I wouldn't, I would just adjust your strategy going forward to make sure that you are diversified um, and that you don't just have a portfolio of, like if you just have literally like, like just Tesla and Apple, like you would, yeah, like you would want to reconsider, but it doesn't mean that you need to go like sell everything and like then take that money and put it into index funds. Like also assuming that when you're listening to this, you're probably a younger individual. Um, If you're like older, I don't know, I would consult a financial advisor, but like you have so much time that like diversifying your portfolio and like switching things up now is not going to like, you know what I mean? It's not going to be the end of the world. Like you don't have to, it's, I don't want to say it's no harm, but like kind of like you're going to be fine. Yeah, basically, is what 100%. I'm trying to say. Um, I would just which diversify is, more going forward. Right. Which is like hopefully hopeful for a lot of people because if you're sitting here being like, I want to start investing, but what's the most optimal strategy? And like you can just invest and like change things up in, mm-hmm. in a little bit when you learn something else and you decide that you want to change your strategy. Like you can get started without knowing 100% of the information, which I know we've talked about in a lot of podcast episodes, but yeah. definitely go listen to the Jeremy episode. It was super insightful considering consulting a financial advisor and all of the good things. But I think that wraps up today's episode. Today was a long one. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Drop any questions you have, not even just about credit card points, but just questions you want us to answer at the end of episodes or to do episodes on in the future. Um, And thank you for listening to the Girls Talk Money podcast.